this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Trevor Baptiste has a perfect night. The Seals still sit atop the West, and even though they put up 14, New York lost to Toronto by 7. We'll speak with TD Erland from The Rock about his transition to the indoor game and what it's like traveling with Captain America. All that and more on OTCB. I am an Good evening and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, alongside Pat Gregoire. My name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Now running is Boudreaux. Takes a chop from Scanlon, flips it to Rubish. Shot scores! First of the season. One of the best defenders ever in the NLL. Kyle Rubish makes it 1 0. Stotts 2 in the first half. Back to Dixon. Stotts at the point. Scores! A huge power play goal as Austin Stotts has a hat trick. It's back to a two goal San Diego lead. Giving it now over to Steve Priova, who finds an opening to Buchanan. There's a shot on by Sweeney, and he scores! Bryce Sweeney. There's the first goal of the Philadelphia wing for their newest acquisition, Mitch Jones. He makes it 4-1. to one. Welcome to Philadelphia, Mitch Jones. All effort. Dutch now loses the ball. But he's getting worked over down there, as you can see by Wiedemann. Now there's a shot and a score! Oh, the greatness of Reese Dutch! You thought you had a corral, he says, no, sir, it goes 5-0 on Dobson. Got blocked, is Harris brave enough to go up on it? And he's going to move in transition. Harris has some company sprinting the floor, and Harris holds, shoots, scores! He's, he's he's having a game tonight for sure. Up to 15 goals, 13 assists on his season, and make it one more, 16th of the year. Hannes got a sock trick. Check that stick, it's a magic wand, AJ. And Withers, oh, the ball picked up by Calgary. They win a big one. Cornwall going straight to the net. Cornwall shoots, he scores! Only nine seconds into overtime. Jeff Cornwell wins it for the Calgary Roughnecks. What a finish for the visitors here tonight as they celebrate in the corner. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your ear music. We appreciate you tuning in. He's Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter at pgreggy. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast. Or find us on Instagram at OTCB podcast. What a wild and crazy week 10 in the National Cross League. Uh, we had a doubleheader on TSN. We had overtime. We had unexpected blowouts. We had close. We had everything we could hope for. And it was a great weekend, Patty. It was an awesome weekend from start to finish. I, I thought that the there was a lot of a lot of takeaways. I think there was, you know, the fact that again Toronto is proving that they might be the best well-rounded team in this this league. Yeah. Um, you look at Buffalo and Rochester and that rivalry, butting what a game that was. 
San Diego just quietly moving on and, and continue to stay atop of the West. We almost thought we had a Vancouver yeah. upset over Sask and, you know, Las Vegas. I, I know it was at the expense of a back-to-back for Colorado, uh, but nonetheless, an impressive win from that. Yeah, and we're going to get into it. And those are games that you have to win in those situations if you're a mm-hmm. team that's going to want to be moving up the charts. And Vegas is slowly starting to move up the standings. They've got some space now between them and Vancouver. Um, quick recap, Colorado beats Georgia 13-10 on Friday, the only game Friday night. Georgia still without a win on the season. But much like Vancouver, I thought that was a better performance by them brett dobson feeling a little more comfortable between the pipes on saturday calgary knocks off halifax in overtime if jeff cornwall scores the winner right off the opening draw we'll definitely get into that one uh, you had the game in toronto as the rock absolutely blew out the riptide 22 14 the wings get a huge win 13 5 over albany 13 10 buffalo over rochester as the bandits get some revenge seals beat panther city 12 10 14-8 Saskatchewan over Vancouver on the back end of the doubleheader on TSN. And then the final game, Vegas over Colorado, 13-8. Um, so a few takeaways. I want to start with the fact that New York needs their D to give them some help, especially offensively. And I don't mean they need to score goals, but 14 goals should win you 90% of a game in the NLL. And this New York defense just hasn't been able to help their offense out at all. And Jeff Teed and this whole group is putting up excellent numbers offensively. They just can't seem to stop anybody defensively. And as an offensive guy, it's got to start to get frustrating. You know, the, the big talking point with this group was that, you know, there was no quit and there was no finger pointing and there was no... Um, guys turning on each other. They believed that they could still turn things around. And that's all fine and dandy. But I'm almost wondering if it's about time that maybe there was a little bit of turbulence in that room. Maybe it's time that one of those offensive guys look down at the defense and say, step it up. Like, you guys need to be better. We just put up 14 goals against one of the best defenses and goaltenders in the league, and you guys aren't holding up your bargain. Of course, you don't need that every time because that's just a recipe for a disaster. Yeah. But sometimes you need that accountability. And I think that this is the case where maybe in practice, someone steps up. Maybe it's a a leader. Maybe it's Jeff T. Maybe it's a a, a Riley O'Connor. But for, for, for me, like, I do agree the defense needs to be better. I thought they were actually really solid in that, that first half. I know they gave up. I believe it was what eight in the first and eight or nine in the first half, mm-hmm. but they were playing tougher. They were way harder on loose balls. They were giving out outside looks and the wheels kind of fell off. I'm not putting it all on the goaltending. I'm not bailing up the, the, the defense by any stretch of the imagination, but the goaltending has got to be better too. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's you know, they, disastrous. They, you know, they, they start, uh, Orleman, they move to Abrams, they go back to Orleman. That's whenever you're doing the double switch, it's it's never a recipe for success. I we never wish I wish we would have asked Rich List this, but I wonder what happened with Cam Dunkerley in that whole situation with them bringing him in and then literally he was gone 48 hours later almost. Um, why that didn't work out, 
I just don't know what they do. Obviously, they have Kevin Orleman waiting in the wings, but this is a team that that needs to get some defensive stops because they are better than their record. But it's just unfortunate that they haven't been able to get those stops when needed, and when their offense puts up big numbers, their defense can't hold up their end of the bargain. So a tough weekend for the New York Riptide as they made their TSN debut. Um, We mentioned Vancouver probably playing one of their best games of the year. Uh, They played an incredible 45 minutes against the Rush. They had that game tied in the fourth quarter. It's just too bad that games are 60 minutes long. Aiden Walsh played his best game as a pro. Uh, That offense started to look like it had some things working for them. Their defense was communicating and playing well. But then the experience of Saskatchewan just took over, and Mark Matthews and Robert Church and Ryan Keenan just started to flex their muscle, and Alex Bouquet started to shut the door, um, and – Vancouver loses another. The Rush get a big win, but it showed signs that Vancouver was starting to turn a corner. You know, if, you, if you're a fan of Vancouver, if you're in that locker room, whatever, wherever, if you're associated with this Warriors team, I, I certainly think you can start feeling better about yourself. And we said it, like, don't expect this to be a walkover game for Saskatchewan. They're clearly the better team, but... Their back's up against the wall. Like, they knew, like, what else needs to happen here? You you lose the fa- face of the franchise. Logan Schuss goes down to injury. Your general manager was fired earlier in the year. Your veteran goaltender was let go. One of your longest tenured players in, in Justin Salt was let go. Every person in that locker room had to look at themselves and be like, no job is safe here. Yep. And that was a team that was playing for their jobs, playing for each other in that locker room. Unfortunately, the skill gap came to play in that fourth quarter. And that was the difference. It was an 8-2 fourth quarter. Um, And I don't know, maybe it was, maybe Saskatchewan was playing with their food a little bit in those first three quarters. I don't think so. I think that, you know, they ran into a really hungry team and and Mm -hmm. expected a battle. And like you said, the, the big names, pulled away in that fourth quarter, but Vancouver's got to be pleased with that effort. Obviously not pleased with the result, but some, some positives to build on Aiden Walsh, 41 saves. Got to be pleased, pleased with that performance in between the pipes. Uh, The Philadelphia wings scored 10 straight between uh, the first quarter and fourth quarter to blow that game open against Albany. Uh, Maybe more importantly, uh, Miss Jones, six points in his debut. He didn't look out of place in that offense at all. He looked great. And I think that's one piece that this offense was missing. The lefties, the righties now maybe getting a little more floor balance. Um, Sam LeClaire looked pretty good with two goals. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that we, we know Joe Resiteric's going to put up his points. We know... Uh, the American duo of Rambo and Blaze are going to get theirs. It just it felt like there was kind of that missing in, ingredient, whether it's a, a was a lefty or even we were talking about a guy like Killen possibly being yeah. being an answer on the right. They just needed something else, um, and Jones certainly was that. Um, on the flip side, though, like I, I this Albany team's in trouble, man. Yeah. Like this team is in trouble. Uh, when Connor Kelly's the only forward to score 
Um, they scored five goals. Three of them came from defenders. The two yeah. others came from Connor Kelly. I know we gave them a lot of praises earlier in the season. They look great against some good teams early on. Um, but teams are figuring out this offense. There isn't that guy on the offense to take over games. Yeah. And if <laughs> if the offense – or sorry, if the defense and Doug Jamison aren't holding things down, like this, this could go south really quickly for Albany. Uh, Rochester was up 5-1 early in the second quarter, and then Buffalo outscores them 12-5 the rest of the way and really flex their muscle without Josh Byrne in their lineup, that's got to be scary to some teams, knowing this team can still put up 13 without Josh Byrne. I, I said that earlier in the week that if, you know, this this injury for Byrne is long-term, look to see them make a move. I don't know if they really need to make a move, man. Yeah, they uh, shut the you up real quick about that, though. Real quick. Real quick. Dane Smith, obviously, he's still able to drive that offense from the right side, but you look at McCauley, a great night mm-hmm. for him with five points. Ian McKay being that Swiss Army knife, playing a little, playing a little bit of D, had three points. Brandon Robinson continuing a really solid season with three points on the on the night there. Um, this is a well-oiled machine, man. And and when their defense is playing stout and Matt Vince is making the saves, it's a tough team to play. And and it felt like, especially this game being in Buffalo, like once they kind of went on that run in in the second half, even when they were losing, you just kind of had a feeling like, oh, this is over. Buffalo's yeah. really starting to heat up, and they're not going to let go of this lead once they get it. San Diego never trailed against Panther City, even though Panther City tried to claw their way back. But this is Chris O'Riglieri's team now. I'm going to go out on, on a big limb maybe and say that this is now Chris Origlieri's team. He's going to get the majority of the starts the rest of the way. Uh, he was between the pipes this weekend. He got the win. He continues to mature and grow. And, you know, maybe Frankie is is relegated to a backup role now and, and a mentorship role for, for young Chris Origlieri. But if he can start to find some confidence and the team in front of him can find that confidence in him, maybe they're not as... as um, Uh, What's the word I want? Maybe they're not as susceptible to a bad game from their goaltender not playing 60 minutes now that a regular is getting confident. This this team is is really I don't want to say an anomaly, but like they're six and one. Nobody's really talking about them. Um, the big concern earlier in the year was their goaltending. They seem to have figured it out with a Wrigley area who's not going to steal you any games, but he's not going to blow you any games. And I think that's all they really need. Mm-hmm. We really haven't seen this team play a full 60 minutes. Yeah. Um, we're still waiting, but they're still six and one. They're still winning games. They're finding ways to win. Like what happens when these guys do find their stride? Like yeah, how, right. how can they get much better? Like they, yeah. they have one loss. I don't think they're getting the respect that they deserve despite being atop of the West right now and having the best record in the NLL. Uh, The final game of the weekend that we haven't touched on, Vegas beating Colorado. Colorado played the night before in Denver, had to travel to Vegas the next day, Uh, maybe some tired legs, but that didn't stop Vegas. They jumped all over uh, the Mammoth right away. They never trailed. And how about young Jack Hanna? His first ever sock trick, 
first sock trick in Vegas history. Fans had no idea what to do. There was maybe one or two socks thrown. I think it might have come from the bench. <laughs> um, but I don't know, man. This this team is starting to find something. Whether it was because of what happened at halftime of that Vegas-Vancouver game, or maybe it goes before that to that comeback attempt in that Vancouver game. Willie's really found something to flip the switch in that group, and they're starting to play some really good lacrosse. This team is is so much fun to watch, and yeah. I, I don't know how many wins they have left, you know, in the tank here, but they're a fun team to watch. You you obviously mentioned Jack Hanna and what, what a budding star he is. Six goals on just 12 shots, um, not turning the ball over nearly as much as he was uh, at the start of the year, really finding his game. The veterans, you know, Rob Hellier, obviously a huge part of this offense, but the defense... Is that you? I don't know. I think my, my mic was just unplugged. Um, yeah, it definitely sounds different now. <coughs> All right. Where do you want me to pick up from? I think uh, I'm I don't know. I, I had to quick mute there. I had to shut the door. Okay. I don't know where you I don't I'll know where the buzz pick up from the start again. All right. Uh, three, two, one. I don't know how many more wins this team has left in in the tank, but boy, this team's this team is fun to watch. They mm-hmm. they have so much belief in themselves, and I think it starts with the belief that general manager and head coach Sean Williams has instilled in that with them. But like you mentioned, Jack Hanna, like six goals on, on twelve shots, just two turnovers, being so much more smart with the ball. Obviously, Hellier and. Greer, the veteran presence on that offense is so important as well. But uh, looking at the defense, man, they're like they're big, they're fast, they're athletic, they're gritty, uh, and they're making Landon Kell's job much easier than it needs to be. But when it does break down, <laughs> Kells is making some unbelievable yeah. saves, and I, I feel like the team really, you know, feeds off his energy when he makes those big saves. We've seen him in the locker room, despite. <laughs> You know, being a young guy, he's obviously a, a vocal leader. Um, 41 saves for him. So it's not like, you know, Colorado came into town and just kind of slept, walked through the game. Sure. Were they they tired? Did they run out of gas? Probably. But they still, you know, put up a good fight against a, a Vegas team that clearly had more in the, in, in the tank. But I don't want to take away from this win because it was impressive. And, and yeah. I, I just feel like there's too much emphasis right now on the back-to-back yeah. and all Colorado ran out of gas rather than man Vegas looked really really good in a game against a team that maybe uh ran out of steam near the end of the game yeah you know we'll pose the question when we talk about this week's game later on but these are the games that you you need to be winning as a team especially a young team you get a team that's off a of back-to-back or you're playing a team that's you know that sh- you should be beating as a young team you gotta find ways to win those games because at the end of the year, if you go back and you look, you're like, Oh, that's a game we should have won. And that's a game we should have could have, should have, would have right. This, this is a team that, that expects to win now and they've got the pieces and they're starting to find the right chemistry and the right mix of guys in and out of the lineup. And when you go into these games and you got a tired team that traveled all day and played the night before, whatever it may be, 
you need to be winning those lacrosse games. And this was an excellent performance start to finish by this whole Vegas team. And kudos to that whole coaching staff of having this team ready and prepared, willing to do whatever it takes to win. And they got the job done and and they're going to have to do it again this weekend. But, you know, like you said, I don't know how many more wins are on the dock for them. They got a pretty tough schedule over the next month. But if they can steal some wins here and there, make some noise, continue to move up the standings. Unfortunately, moving further and further away from that first overall pick of getting Dyson, him, Williams. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, this is a Vegas team that's starting to find their their own, and it was a heck of a job and heck of a performance. And hopefully this, this continually brings out more fans each and every week for this Vegas club because if they win and that barn starts rocking, it's going to be fun to watch. All right, time now for thumbs up, thumbs down. And uh, let's go first. And because of uh, a little stat audit, and we're both going to kind of touch on this a bit throughout thumbs up, thumbs down. But Trevor (laughs) Baptiste, TB9, goes a perfect 22 of 22 at the dot. We're going to talk with TD Erland in a little bit. But, man, that has got to be one of the most impressive feats. And I know – you watch Wiz pretty much every weekend, and we see some of these dominant faceoff guys each and every week. And whenever they're going on a run, we always question, has a guy ever gone perfect at the dot? And there are guys that have won 100% of their draws but not taken every single draw for their team. Trevor Baptiste took every draw in that game against Albany and won every single one. That means he won the clamp, and his team got possession – off of that draw that has to be one of the most incredible feats in an nll game if you haven't seen it if this is the first time you're hearing about it i tell you i'm not going to ask you i'm not going to go to the philadelphia wings social media i know for sure it's on twitter and they've actually done a great job clipping yeah every single face off it's not like, you know, he loses a draw here and then the team, you know, picks up a loose ball. Like, it is complete, utter domination. He won everything yeah. and basically to himself, almost every mm-hmm. single draw. I know, yeah, Albany doesn't have Nardella. They've been kind of throwing a cast of different characters. But you think one of them. Yeah, they get really lucky. one loose ball. No, <laughs> no, that is not the case. It was an absolute clinic by Baptiste and the video I'm watching it as we're talking now, it's mesmerizing. Really? It's unbelievable. Yeah. It was so good. Uh, Your thumbs up. My thumbs up goes to one of TD Erland's best friends, best buddies, his travel buddy, Tom Schreiber. We thought, Oh, it was a big game for him. But because of that audit, it was an even bigger game. They actually credit him with an extra assist. So he breaks the most, the record for most assists in a single game with 12 and tied the record for most points in a single game with 15. Garrett Billings back in 2013 on March 31st did that in uh, that game. So kudos to Tom Schreiber, apologizing for not bringing that up in the broadcast, but 
We didn't know that he broke that record because the assist uh, was not credited. But I will say, Joe Del Bussell, TSN statistician, had it in his notes that they did miss an assist. So I know he'll be happy uh, to hear that that was fixed because he, he was, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Like I swear he got an assist on that yeah. last goal. And sure enough, Joe was right. Uh, it was an incredible performance. And, you know, it, when, when face-off guys are in the zone, when forwards are in the zone, when goalies are in the zone, it, it is just such an impressive thing to watch when guys are just feeling and they're in the flow and everything's going in or they're making every save or they're winning every draw. These are the best lacrosse players on the planet and they're balling out each and every weekend, which kind of leads us to our thumbs down. We had to do this audit on the stats and you could probably go back through every game this past weekend. And there was one or two moments, a save, a loose ball, a face-off win and a sister, a goal, that originally didn't get recorded or went to a different guy. And I know sometimes for those stats people, it's not the easiest thing to have to be watching a game and record every single little thing. But for us to have to go back and do this audit and 24 or 48 hours later, we're correcting stats. It's not the greatest. I can understand if it's one here or there, but it seems like, Every weekend, we're having to wait a couple days for the actual proper stats to be done. You know, it's it's frustrating for everybody. Yeah, and I don't think there's a, you know, uh, again, it happens. It happens in the it happens NHL. In every, it happens, it happens in the NFL. But usually it's like within the game, you know, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll get a tweet from NHL PR or you'll hear the PA announcer saying stat correction for the last goal. So-and-so now gets the assist. Well, you know, it's kind of awkward that we have to wait a couple of days to get these stats correction. Like for example, in the same game with Tom Schreiber, we, (laughs) there was an assist that was clearly Jeff T flip pass. And it was credited to Damon Edwards. And from a, team standpoint it was a big swing because the point now registered as damon edwards 100 yep. point and it actually took away jeff teat's 100 assist so now social media yep. kind of sitting on their hands because they're like they want to acknowledge the milestone but it's not official because it's switched backwards and they don't want to throw out the graphic that says congratulations Damon uh, Damon Edwards on uh, 100 assists or sorry 100 points yeah. of his career because they know it's coming back at some point yeah so again it's not a perfect system I don't think it'll ever be a perfect system but it's got to get cleaned up for sure and up. quicker than than it does yep because you know that that goes into you know the betting situation right you know some guy has Jeff Teat with you know, plus eight and a half points. He doesn't get that assist. He's sitting on eight. You know, mm-hmm. that could say, oh, no, you didn't win that bet. But then two days later, it gets recalculated. What would happen in that situation? Well, the books would would have to then eventually credit the, mm-hmm. the player. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, at the flip side, what happens if 
some they gave uh Jeff Teed an extra point had to yeah. take it away. Yeah. Um likely I know cool that would probably honor the bet. Um but again it's it's just it, it there is a reason why there isn't a full full investment from all sports books in the game of lacrosse. Um because there still is a lot of issues, whether it's transparency and lineups or um, correct stats, all that thing. So until all that gets, that's, you know, fixed. Uh, and we know the league's working on it. Mm-hmm. There, there is money in, you know, invested in their stats to improve it. So we get to a point where not only are stats correct, but we're having advanced stats, possible live betting. Um, but a lot of things have to change before we get to that point. We spoke of Trevor Baptiste going to perfect 22 for 22. Well, TV Erlin has been pretty darn good at the faceoff dot all year long. He and The Rock head to Georgia this weekend after a big win over New York. And TD joins us right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. We talked about Trevor Baptiste going perfect at the faceoff dot. Now let's talk to another excellent man at the dot. TD Erlin from the Toronto Rock. How are you, brother? I'm good. I'm, thanks for having me on. It's uh, I'm excited to be on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. We're glad to have you. Um, let's kind of jump right into it. What's it like as as a face-off guy when you're in that zone and everything just seems to be going right and, and you're winning every draw? What's going through your mind in those moments? I think uh, it's, I mean, obviously for, as, for my position, it's all you really want. So just getting in the zone and then like, it's nice, I think, with box, you can be faster with, like, you score a couple of quick ones, it's easy to get in that zone. Conversely, like, if you're not in that zone and the other guy is, it's, like, the worst feeling ever. So it's really the highest of highs or lowest of lows, and there's there's no real in-between. But, yeah, when you're when you're in the zone, it feels good. Obviously, Trevor was, was in it all night uh, the other night. And then, you know, so take us through the, the, the process of a face-off, you know. The goal happens, you're out there, you're walking on the floor, you're about to take that draw, you're getting your set, you're seeing who you're taking the draw against. What are those last few thoughts that go through your brain right before that whistle? Yeah, I think um, for me at least, you come down, you kind of have a game plan, and then as the game goes on, you kind of evolve with, and I think with indoor, it's just so much more about what are you going to do after the ball? Like winning it's great but you win it to a spot of no kind of return like that's when you get yourself into trouble so i think there's a lot more planning and a lot more things with the wings um in the ball team that i like so it's just really kind of like having all your bases covered and once the whistle goes it's just kind of like play it where it lies and and obviously you know you kind of mentioned the the quickness of indoor faceoffs. how much different is an nll faceoff to a pll faceoff? Uh, very, I like the you versus the other guy is very similar. Um, the watching the refs a little different versus like the waiting for the whistle. But once after that first initial move, it's like just a free for all. <laughs> and you get there's like next thing you know, it just feels like there's 20 guys on top of you. And it's uh, that aspect of it. I honestly enjoy it too, because there's, um, there's a lot more you can do off of it because you can go and get into offensive plays and like, Unfortunately, too, if you kind of live and die by the sword, you push offense so much, like you can get backdoored. Um, so it's cool. There's a lot more to it, I think, with just obviously having so many more people involved. How much film do you watch in terms of a faceoff? Whether it's like correcting what you and the ball team can do, or even you know when you're going up preparing against another faceoff guy. I love film, and I think like 
in terms, I was talking to Teddy actually about this in terms of watching film versus like, like Withers, Trev, um, like Adler, all the guys have played PLL. Um, like I've gone against those guys so much and we're so used to going against them. A lot of the film really is just watching against the other, like what their ball team does. And then really watching mm-hmm. the film on like a courier, right. Or like guys like that, where I don't see them a lot, like a Jay Thornburg, like I don't see those guys a lot. So I watch a lot of film playing those guys. And then a lot of it is like on the ball team, like who's great. Like you look at Halifax, try to like keep a Terrafanko and a Hasek out of it. And I mean, it's tough. Like they're so great. Um, so I think uh, I, I try to watch as much as possible. And I think our, between our coaching staff, they do a really good job preparing us and coach Cod on the back end. He's funny. I think we're all kind of learning as we go. <laughs> so uh, it's a nice dynamic. Um, speaking of, of Brucey, uh, he mentioned to me uh, that last year, they kind of had to be careful when you were out there on the floor after a draw, you know, they, they didn't really hide you, but because of your defensive, you know, didn't have quite the defensive skill set quite yet they had to be careful with you out on the floor but now they're very comfortable with you on the defensive end what did you do between last year and this year to to help your indoor defense I think um biggest thing was just being healthy I think last year I I came off meniscus surgery and didn't have a training camp and never played box across uh, mm-hmm. just, <laughs> going into the year we were, I first uh the third game i think i was healthy for against philly and another rookie jordan mckenna was like oh you excited it's just like your first junior game and i was like no like first game ever he's like oh like you're screwed (laughs) (laughs) no boast confidence or anything so i think just having a training camp under my belt and with the other defensemen on our team like they make it pretty easy like they they go so above and beyond to help me and just literally tell me where to go, especially like a guy like DeSnoo. <laughs> like I'm not in the right spot. He'll be yelling at me quickly <laughs> where to go. So just listening to the guys. And I mean, between our coaching staff and I'm just fortunate to play with such good guys on the back end that they make my life easy. We obviously know like how good of a, a face-off guy you are. And we've, you know, Teddy mentioned that you are progressing as a defender. How much more, fun are you having now that you're you're a big piece in this defense and on as you said a, a defense that's one of the tops in the league it's awesome it's uh I always look back and fortunate enough in high school I was on a really really good high school team so I didn't really play that much midfield and so I go back and it's like this is my first time like playing lacrosse and like running from the sideline or the box in like eight years and so like I'll go out and like I'll be after the games, I'll be like, I don't even know how face-offs went, but it was cool. Like I hit someone or like I got a bunch <laughs> of loose balls or like we had an assist. Like it's, it's cool. It's uh, I'm having just like, it's the most fun like ever. <laughs> so I, I love it. Um, Halifax has two wrestling champs in Graham Hosick and Withers. Uh, if we're going to make a tag team, uh, who are you picking as your partner? Uh, if it's like, I think like coach, I'm going with Brucey. Coach Cod, he's <laughs> he's like notoriously like the the post game like wrestling champ. Like he he takes people out. So I think I'm taking him. He doesn't he doesn't he play he bends the rules too. So he doesn't he doesn't play fair. <laughs> uh, do you still have the Victor High School career record of 161 wins? No. So it was um, actually when I so when I graduated I had 206, oh. and then. I, a kid who went and wrestled at Cornell broke it like the next year. <laughs> so I had it for one year and I think I'm still, uh, I'm second or third right now. And, uh, 
yeah, I I had it was short lived, but it was it was fun while it lasted, I guess. <laughs> what was your weight class in high school? Uh, I started at ninety six as a seventh grader or grade seven, and then by the time I was a senior, I was one sixty. Pretty much progressed like two weight classes every year. Wow! Yeah, awesome sport. So, who was the guy that? Because I, I, we always hear people say that, you know, especially with like you and Wiz, you know, guys that have a good wrestling base and a wrestling background make really good wrestlers, or sorry, make really good face off men. Yeah. Who was the first guy that kind of taught you that correlation between? wrestling and face-offs i think there was a so field wise it was like kevin Masso was out there and brendan fowler so those two guys were kind of just like you could keep the ball in the back of your stick they were just kind of dominating for their teams like kevin Masso came into the dome and did really well uh and then brendan fowler led his team to two national championships and they were both wrestlers and my high school lacrosse coach jim andre basically was just like yeah like good uh Right, good wrestlers are good fogos, and I was like this young freshman. I was like, "All right, if you say it, like you, you got it." I was like, "I was like, if you say I'm supposed to be good, like I got to be good then." And like just since then, I think, I mean, you see guys like like uh, Joe Nardella. His dad was runners, like everything. Like everyone had a little bit of that wrestling background, and I think just like the one-on-one mindset and just being ultra competitive, I think it translates really well to the position. We talked about your high school, Victor, um, just 20 minutes outside of Rochester. What familiarity do you have with the NLL, box lacrosse, and maybe even the Rochester Nighthawks? Yeah, so I grew up as, like, a big Nighthawks fan. Um, let's, it was big, like, I remember all the chants and stuff. We'd always be like, let's go Hawks, things like that, tool time. Like, I remember everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I used to grow up, it was funny, now like, I was watching, like, Dan Dawson. And uh, Tim Sudan really got me into it. He played for the Nighthawks for a while and worked mm-hmm. with my dad and, like, still really close with him to this day. Um, always go watch his games and, like, just so many legends there. And it's so funny, like, when they were – they had their stretch of runs and just seeing Dawson and now being on the same team. But we'd go to Nighthawks game all the time and play it, like, halftime and stuff. It's so it, – to see it come full circle is really cool. And I just remember, like, never thinking I'd have a chance because – I just, oh, there's so many memories with watching those games. Like everyone, they would announce at the old Nighthawks game, they'd announce every single person on the other team. And you yep. come out and you just be like, you suck. And then everyone, <laughs> yeah. and I'd be like, wow, everyone is from Canada on these rides. <laughs> we have never um, uh, what's, what's the best garbage plate in Rochester? I think Hungry's and Fairport Hots are the two best. Tahoe's yeah. is the original, but I think Hungry's and Fairport Hots are the two best. They're, yeah, everyone always like makes fun of it, but and you can't knock it until you try it. It's game changer. Oh, the garbage plates are the best. Like I remember, like we would play a game in Rochester, and and our super fans would ask us what our order was, and they would go and get them, and they'd leave them by our hotel room door for when we came back after the bar. And it was it was the best to have a late night garbage plate. What did you put on yours? So I go, you got to go max out home fries. If anyone tells you different, they're lying. Um, <laughs> yeah, I usually go two cheeseburgers in a red hot. And then I yeah. go uh, hot sauce, but it's more like a meat hot sauce. And then onions, ketchup, and it's, uh, yeah, can't go wrong there. It's, it's incredible. You have some pretty, you had some pretty good fans. Jeez, that's. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the crazy thing is they're still there. They're still there cheering on the Rochester Nighthawks. And never they've left. been. What's that? They never left. <laughs> no, they, the, the team left. The fans never left. Absolutely. And it, it was great. Like, 
they would be there for 6 a.m. radio shows that we would do. They'd be there with bagels and coffee. They'd be there for everything that you did. That's just lacrosse fans in general. They're they're just so good like that. Um, does Tom Schreiber get mobbed by the paparazzi in the airports when you travel with him? Yeah, and he just loves it so much. <laughs> Such a big individual guy. But no, he's uh yeah, he's the best. We travel we travel a lot together. Um and like whenever we have like the long we flew to Calgary, I was supposed to go and meet him and I was telling you a little bit about I was like, Oh Tom, like yeah. surprising you. Go there, just sprint all the way from terminal fifty six with the delay miss the connection and just like yeah no he he doesn't get mobbed as much as he should have but he handles those situations when it happens which it happens often because you know when you when you score 15 points in a game it tends to get that effect but yeah when he when he mobs he just you know he loves it he waits for those moments what was the bench like when when that was happening obviously everyone it seemed like the whole offense and even you guys getting involved in transition just just couldn't miss but when a guy like Tom is in a funk like that, what are you guys saying on the bench? Honestly, I think it's like just normal to us at this point. Like we didn't even <laughs> think anything of it. Like we're, you, I feel like you could tell me every game he has 15 points and I'd be like, yeah, you're probably right. Like <laughs> it's just, he makes such an impact. Um, and so like at the end of the game, we were getting dinner and I had no idea he had as many points and, it like kind of came up and I was like, Oh, like I thought you played pretty well tonight. And he was just like, yeah, I think so. And then like the next morning I see he had all those points. I was like, wow, I feel so what <laughs> like, just, but yeah, I mean, he, it really feels like he does that just every weekend for us with his impact. And I mean, he's, he's incredible. Like I'm, I'm just super fortunate. I think he's the best overall player in the world. Like to see how high level he does at both. It's, I'm super fortunate that he's on my team, especially, and it's cool to have him kind of show me the way. Although I don't, probably won't be able to shoot like him, so I'll take some more notes from the defensive guys on that. But it's cool. He's <laughs> when he's in his zone like that, I just give him the ball and let him let him go to work. Uh, I had asked you in that Cal game when the last time you scored two goals in a row, or maybe even three goals in a row, and you had to go all the way back to high school. But what's it like as a draw guy that maybe? doesn't get the opportunity as much to go to the rack, but when you do and, and you get that goal, it's got to be a pretty good feeling. Yeah. It's uh, especially in box. Like I'm starting to see like it very, like the one against Philly, I think was the first time, like I actually put it to the spot I was aiming and it went in and it was like <laughs> the best feeling ever. And every time, every time it's, it's not, obviously doesn't happen often, but when it goes in, it is just the most relieving. Fe- it's like the best feeling ever. So it's uh it's cool to get opportunities to score and stuff. And I think just, I mean, more with like, we have so many defensive threats and so many guys that can score. Like I would leave me open too. So <laughs> <laughs> I would leave me open as well. Um, you mentioned to me, you've now been to the province of Quebec, Ontario mm-hmm. and Alberta. Uh, yeah. What's your favorite Canadian snack food? Uh, I feel like if I don't say poutine, like you guys are going to run me off the show. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I like Timmy Ho's a lot because they have those in Rochester too, but yeah. poutine, it's funny, like after a late, late night snack with everyone, everyone's got their like go-to orders. <laughs> so that's always a good one. Um, you went from Albany to Yale to Denver in your college career. What message do you have for young kids that may not be happy with where they are in their college spot right now? Yeah. So I think, um, obviously my journey is like 
pretty unique and going to three spots um with like the COVID and stuff that obviously threw a wrench into it and i think going from i i enjoyed my time everywhere I went. and i think that kind of shows me it's like there's an awesome experience and it's really what you make of it no matter where you go um and i think for me it was like the biggest thing as i was looking for a great education and i was lucky to get that at yale and then with covid like coach shea had me um he kind of gave me his blessing for me me lucas and jackson to go out to denver when the ivies were the only conference not playing so i think like if you're not happy you can make a change um but I also think too, like, I think every spot has it's, it's, it's good. It's, uh, it's positives, right? Like, I think, like, I look back and I have friends from every place I've been to. And I think the people really make the journey. Um, and it's like, you can be in the best place ever with like the worst people ever. It's going to be miserable. If you are in the worst place ever, with the best people, it's going to be awesome. And I think, I think that kind of encapsulates like everything I've been through. So it's like, just go through and, you'll kind of find your crew and it works out and like you'll be as close with, with any of them. Right. And there's good people everywhere. So I think, I think there's so many great places and that's what I've been fortunate to learn. I have great relationships from all of them. So obviously a little bit unique circumstance with the COVID and not being able to go back to Yale, but I think if you're not happy somewhere, right, like try to make the change, try to make it work. And if you need to go somewhere else uh, to pursue that, um, like I think there's great options. So you're not pigeonholed into, into making a mistake, of maybe maybe not a mistake or you chose the wrong place when you're 16 years old for a lot of kids right so mm-hmm. you mentioned your time in in denver and i know it was a brief time but what was the lasting impression coach tierney left on you uh as a pile i mean coach t is incredible he's uh like the stories about him too and like i i still don't know if it's true or not to this day but someone was saying like he invented the slide package on defense like and I was just like, imagine before, like Kim, just it was like, you're just going, all right, you're going to square your guy up and let's see how it goes. <laughs> he's, just, he's seen everything. And like, I could just listen to him tell stories forever. Um, like, just in a room. And like, he's been a part of, it seems like he's been a part of more lacrosse history than he hasn't. Um, for, he's been involved for so long and he's evolved his style of coaching and players he's gotten, which is so hard to do for a guy who's accomplished as much as he has. And, it's cool. Like when I was out there, I was fortunate to meet a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, Canadian players and a lot of box guys. And it's cool. Like coach Brown obviously has a lot of deep ties and everything like that. So it was cool. That was kind of like my first little introduction to, uh, to indoor lacrosse out there too. Um, when, when you're teaching young kids, uh, at the face off dot, what's the biggest lesson you try to impose on them? I think the biggest thing is you got to be able to play lacrosse. Like it doesn't matter if you win every clamp, if you can't get a ground ball. And I think that's what, that's what indoors really shown me is like, it doesn't really matter if you get every face off and you turn it over every time. It doesn't matter if you get every clamp and you can't get a ground ball or contest a ground ball. Like I think those, right. You go 50%, but you can score three goals off the draw or you can set yourself up or you don't turn it over. That's huge. And I think when, with my coaching and stuff, like every day now we'll, we'll try to play a little bit of speed lacrosse or try to do some basically just box drills that the rock teach me i just do with my guys (laughs) so the next step is basically just shipping them ball up to uh orangeville and having them play for rosie's um i I was watching just some game film and and highlights and when face-off guys win a draw like you get the clamp Mm -hmm. and you pop it out to space but your teammates don't pick it up that doesn't count as a win right yeah so if the other team gets it 
they will get the win. So do you base your, your draw skills off of winning clamps and getting that initial possession, or do you more focus on does your team actually win the possession after the clamp? Yeah, the actual possession after the clamp. So I think like a lot of times face-off percentages get skewed where it's like, and I think for me last year, right? Like I think I definitely had more turnovers than turnovers we caused off the draw, off the ball team. So I think like you can, how just, how I like to go about it is, yeah, if we go 50-50, but we cause five turnovers, maybe we get a goal and every goal is about three, or every face-off win is about three possessions, or sorry, every face-off win would be one possession, but every goal we can create is about three possessions. So you steal a goal, you don't have any turnovers, you force them into a couple, like that's a good game, right? So I think the face-off percentage sometimes gets gets looked into too much. So I think like if they want to draw back, but we force them into an eight second or like we, they don't really even get a possession. Like I think those are more important than winning the ball and definitely winning the ball and turning it over right away. It just defeats the whole purpose of winning the draw. So we like to, especially for Toronto, we like to kind of focus on the ones that we convert on and we can get guys like Schreiber with the ball out there. So. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious after having this conversation with you, you're loving your experience with with box across and with, with Toronto. You know, given the opportunity, I'm sure you would have loved to, to play at a younger age. It seems like now, though, there is so many more opportunities for Americans to get inside the box, you know, without having to go up to Rosie uh, and play yeah. for Orangeville. Um, what would you say to a youngster who's kind of not too sure if they want to give it a, give it a shot or not? It's, I, I think it's the best thing you can do for your lacrosse game. I think it's every skill you learn in box is great. It can only help you with your field game. And I think for we, I was like, I talked like all, they were like, Oh, like you would play like indoor lacrosse. And I was like, yeah, we would play field lacrosse inside. Like we've got guys taking like alley dodges. <laughs> and like shooting <laughs> on the run. Like I look back at it. It's like, yeah, that just was not got guys. that acts like, <laughs> it's like feeding. It's just, it was not box lacrosse as much as we thought we were playing box lacrosse back then basically we like watch the nighthawks but like, why aren't they taking any alley dodges those work all the time. <laughs> um but yeah i think there's so many opportunities with the game growing like joe walters is doing a great job out west growing it in the states and then you got a guy like brad gillies um in upstate growing it there's there's mm-hmm. countless guys i know tom's got a team and down in jersey where he is so it's like there's so many more opportunities you got to take advantage of it right and it can only help your game like the it's incredible like i came up to training camp and like challenge i knew challenge had played at stony brook but i just remember seeing him and i was just like this is the best lacrosse player i think i've ever seen i was like he's six four like <laughs> why is he not play? why is he not everywhere so it's like you see those guys and you see like a guy like bill haas and you're like this guy i don't even know who he is but like he's beating up everyone he's got great hands like everyone can catch and feed and they just see the game so well i think like you're really there's, you can't go wrong. They can't hurt you at all. It can only help your game. So you got to get in there. And I was uncomfortable. I didn't even know if I was going to be able to, what I was even doing out there, just run on, just be like, someone tell me what to do. And it's going pretty well, I think for us right now. So you, I can't stress how much I would encourage it enough to really try and get out there and play. When you were a young kid growing up in Victor, um, did you ever think you were going to be a full-time lacrosse player playing pro lacrosse 10 months of the year? No, I did not. And I, I still like when it's funny, I always joke with me and Tom, it's like, we're all, we're probably either the smartest lacrosse players or the dumbest people that went to Yale and Princeton. But, <laughs> but, uh, like we love what we do. And I think like, 
I can make more of an impact on the future generation of lacrosse players than I would be able to do if I went and got some finance job. Right. And there's two paths, but it's like, I'm, we all get to do what we love. And I think it's the future is there more than it ever has been. I think the box game growing in the U S and with great things that PLL is doing, I think the future really is there. And I think it's, uh, it's awesome. Like I live, I get to go to the, all these cool places. I get to see all these provinces in Canada. Like <laughs> never would I thought I would go to Alberta or, uh, or Vancouver and it's incredible. Well, British Columbia, but Vancouver specifically. So it's, it's awesome. Like I, I live the dream. I never would have thought I'd be in this position. TD, this has been awesome, man. Uh, love catching up with you. Appreciate the time as always. Keep up the great work with the rock. Good luck this weekend down in Georgia and we'll catch up soon, my dude. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me so much. Appreciate you, man. Take care. Thanks a lot, TD. All right. Awesome chatting with TD Erlin. And I love the message. You know, you got to play more lacrosse to get better at lacrosse. So all you young Americans find a box league, whether it's a U.S. box, whether it's NCBS, whether it's your local high school starting to play some box across during the winter times. Cause I know more schools are starting to do that. Get inside the box, play the game, learn the game. It's only going to make you better. The, the, the great coach Tierney is a huge advocate of the box across game. He said on this podcast a few years ago that he highly recommends every field player play some box somewhere. It's only going to help your game. We're seeing a continued influx of Canadians playing NCAA and coaches recruiting more Canadians into the NCAA because they realize and they've seen how much effect a box skill can have in the indoor game. But conversely, we're also seeing the strengths of the field game having impacts on the indoor game. Jack Hanna, Tom Schreiber, uh, go down the list. It's just they both do so much to help each other we just need more people playing both versions and getting better all around. Uh, speaking of Toronto, they are down in Georgia. The Swarm are bound to win a game at some point. I just don't know if it's this weekend because, as we talked about off the hop, this Toronto Rock team is as complete a team as there is in the National Lacrosse League right now. The thing is maybe this is the week. Maybe this is the letdown spot that we tend to see with this Toronto Rock team once or twice a year. Maybe they let the foot off the gas. Georgia sometimes is a tough place to play because sometimes it has a sleepy atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's it's tough to get your footing underneath you. And maybe Lyle Thompson, you know, has a night and, and can capitalize on Nick Rose maybe having an off night. To me, there's just too many factors that have to go right for Georgia and have to go wrong for Toronto. And yes, I did say that Toronto always has one or two letdowns a game or a year. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this Toronto team's different this year, man. I really yeah. do. And I think, I you think they've gotten me, those letdown games out of them. Yeah. And I was just going to say that I think their letdown games came against Rochester and that Buffalo game. Yeah. Even though they're two great teams that they lost to, I think those were their letdown games. And I think their best lacrosse is is still to come. And which is scary, <laughs> which is scary because Latrell Harris is starting to play better. Yep. 
Chris Corbeil is going to come off the shelf oh, at some God, point. Don't even. Don't even, man. Like, teams have to be shaking at yep. the thought of Chris Corbeil still being added to this defense. Yeah, it's it's scary. And again, would I be surprised if George, like I'll be a bit surprised for sure, but yeah. they're due, like they're going to win. And let's get this straight. I know, you know, power rankings, whatever, like I still have them near the bottom of my list, but they've competed in every single game. They haven't got blown out yet. It's not like they're, I don't think they're really that poor of a team. I just don't think they have what it takes to really turn this season around. But I do think they're going to collect some wins here and at least make it competitive. I just agree with you. I don't know if, if this is the week to do it. Uh, the late game on Friday, Saskatchewan at Calgary, TSN game of the week. And this is going to be an absolute dandy. Two teams in the West that are playing some incredible lacrosse. Uh, I cannot wait for this game to happen in Calgary. Brad and I will have it with Chantel Chan. Um, Saskatchewan's looking legit. Calgary's starting to play their best lacrosse. They're the heartbreak kids, you know, the tough loss to Toronto. They come back and they beat Halifax in overtime. Uh, I'm expecting fireworks and two great goaltenders in Del Bianco and Bouquet. Two goalies that completely play different styles. Uh, you, you look at both these teams as well, like – both of them kind of have been at fault this year for not playing a full 60. Yep. Uh, Saskatchewan, you've seen last week, obviously started slow, finished strong. Uh, the loss against San Diego, they start strong, wheels kind of fall off. You know the MO of this Calgary team, start slow, <laughs> but, you know, claw back. I would love to see both these teams start fast keep the foot on the pedal and, and just see a good old fashioned slobber knocker against two teams that don't like each other at all. Yeah. There is, there's a lot of bad blood between these two teams, whether it's Edmonton, Calgary, Saskatchewan, Calgary, there's a lot of familiarity between these two teams. Uh, mm -hmm. The coaching staffs have mutual respect for each other, but they want to win their games. But man, Mark Matthews, Robert church, Ryan Keenan, that triple head monster, is starting to find their groove. And if those guys can start putting the ball in the net, the way their defense has been playing, uh, this SAS team is going to start to really round into form. And they're currently sitting in second place in the West right now, which is just crazy to think because a lot of people didn't know if they'd be able to really recover from last year, but they put the right pieces in place. They got a great youthful core in their back end with some of those young guys, you know, Boudreaux and Bobby Kidd the third and Holden Garland. You know, people said, oh, you know, they don't have Corbeil anymore and Dilks is getting older and Rubish is getting older. Derek Keenan knows how to stock the pantry. We, we talk about that every year, whether it's with draft picks or whether it's, it's, it's with young defenders. This is a group uh, that should be putting a lot of fear into teams, the fact that they're playing so well right now. So those are the two games on Friday, Saturday, Halifax at Rochester, little brother, big brother, stepbrother, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Halifax put an absolute beating on Rochester, giving them their first loss. And now Rochester's lost two in a row. Have teams figured out Rochester? I don't know if they figured them out because they, you know, but they were still able to score 10 on Buffalo. They were really, you know, controlling the the pace of play in the start of the game yeah buffalo made some adjustments and, and slowed down 
their offense in the second. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely think there's a formula out there how you can limit their the dynamic factor of their offense. Like yep. if you take away time and space from Connor Fields, if you don't get beat underneath, you take that away. And if their shots aren't sinking from the outside, they, they have to work a little bit harder to get their opportunities. Yeah. But on the flip side for me, I'm more kind of dialed into what we see from Halifax here because mm. they were lights out in that first half and they completely went to sleep in, the, in yep. the second half, just three goals in the third zero in the fourth. And yeah, big part was Christian Del Bianco playing lights out and that defense just being gritty and, and getting themselves back into this game. But this has to be the most inconsistent team in the league. And it's not even close. No, I agree. I agree. At, at times, this is a team that you look at and you're like, man, they're scary. Man, they can win a championship. And then at other times, you're like, this is a this is just a average playoff team that's probably going to get dumped in the first round. Yeah. But oh, as as you were saying that, I was thinking, what if they don't make the playoffs? Yeah, and there's but a possibility. Philly starts, to, you know, Phillies starts putting some wins together and Halifax goes through the, the tough part of their season where they got to play Buffalo and they got to play Toronto, you know, and, and, and the East top East or Western teams, they might not make the playoffs. Yep. And that would be probably shocking to most, if not everybody, mm-hmm. but they would be able to go back in the season and look at a few games where they didn't play a full 60 or they took a five minute stretch off and cost them a game. Um, there would be a lot, a lot of finger pointing uh, in that locker room if this team didn't make it. So I think this is a huge game for them. They can win that season series. They can continue some momentum, come back from that loss. Uh, that would be awesome. But for Rochester, I think they got to find a way to right the ship quickly. Two losses, no time to panic. They're still sitting comfortable in the East, but they can't have too many more down games to allow those teams below them to start catching up. It's you got it. You got it. I, sorry, I'm not, you know, obviously I'm very up close and personal with this team covering them, you know, on the broadcast. I I was away last week. I'll be away again this week. Um, And watching, watching the game from afar, it just, for me there, because I think it all falls and I don't want to say all falls, but like the, the offense just needs to be more consistent. The defense over the last few games has been so strong. Mm. Feel like Jake Weathers. I don't know what else this guy can do. Really? <laughs> he loses one face off and that ends up being the game. Yeah. But the, the offense, it just, they go through too many spurts throughout the game where they're, they're not dangerous enough. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's a move to be made because you look at that team on paper, you look at when they are clicking really well, it works well. I just, I don't know, against a team like Calgary, maybe they expose that left side and how, you know, they're a little bit slower to get off the floor. Yes. And, you know, I think you can also look at that. And I know it was early in the game, but they had a good opportunity to really, really put their foot on their throats with that five minute penalty. Yeah. Yeah, and to give up give up two shorthanded goals and come up with zero, like I know that was the second quarter, but that's the game right there. Yeah, absolutely, 
absolutely. It's I, I your point of those lefties getting off the floor. It's Benny. It's Jammer. It's Bo Hunter. It's Fennell. There was the the shorthanded goal. I went back and watched a few times and how they kind of tried to get themselves off the floor and, and take away that transition. It was just slow from, from the loose ball on and guys going to different spots and jogging off. And you can't jog off the floor when you're playing Christian Del Bianco and he's going to burn you every single time. And I know that that is a huge problem for this offense is getting those guys off the floor because they are, giving up a lot of transition goals. So we'll see how Halifax can rebound against Rochester this weekend. Albany at New York, a huge game for both teams. And I kind of feel you and I both agree that this is a game that New York could win and maybe should win uh, the way they've been playing. You said it perfectly, like the defense needs to step up. Well, this is their opportunity to step up and win one for their offense. Like, New York put up the most amount of goals against Toronto all year with 14. Jeff T and still lost. Jeff T was unbelievable. I think they were perfect, if not close to being perfect on the power play. The offense did everything. Like the offense was clicking. Digby uh, looked like he was fitting really nicely in the offense. Mm -hmm. Hickey had a slow start, but finished off with, with two goals they did their job. 14 goals. Dan Latasur said it perfectly in the post game after. He said, in this league, 14 goals should be good enough to mm-hmm. win games in the NLL. And if it isn't, you should at least be competitive. If you score 14 goals, you should never be run out of the arena. You should no. never be blown out. And they need to go back to the drawing board and watch that Albany game. They gave up 10 goals against that Albany team while their offense still scored 16. Use that as, as maybe a little bit of confidence boost saying like, you know what? Yeah, we're not playing our best lacrosse right now, but let's, let's take what we were doing well in Albany and talking to a lot of guys on that team with Latisor and, and some of the veterans, they really emphasize loose balls. They really emphasize playing physical, being tougher to play against and I think they did that in the first. And then in the second half, they weren't doing it anymore because I think they just ran out of gas. Yeah. And they're let, let's let's be honest. You I think you just gotta throw the tape out of that last game and not really look into too much and just focus on the positives that came for your lone win against Albany and things that you can build on going forward. Yep. And you know, I I hate ragging on goaltenders, but Steven Orleman, like the defense has to make some stops. Steven Orleman has got to be better. 100%. You know, he, he, he has to be better. And, you know, I don't think Goa Abrams is is the guy. And, no. you know, obviously Orleman got pulled and got put back in. And when he got put back in, he, he was okay at stages. But they need to get Steven Orleman playing the best 60 minutes he's been playing. And they got to start it now. This is a team that we all kind of thought might be pushing for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. And right now they're trying to avoid being last in the NLL East, which would be shocking to everybody. So this is a huge win for them or a huge weekend for them. And I think conversely, it's a big weekend for Albany. They got to try to get back on the horse, win some games. They got to try to find some offensive mojo uh, or this, heck, this could be a, this could be a blowout game for New York. 
uh, if the offense plays the way they did. But again, they need their defense to be able to match what their offense does with intensity, with game plan, with gameplay, and all that stuff. Vancouver at Panther City. The Warriors coming off maybe their best game, even though it wasn't a loss. Uh, Panther City had a very good game against San Diego in a loss. Uh, But Panther City put up 20 on Vancouver a few weeks ago. And and we kind of talked about it earlier on the show. If you are going to be a team that's going to contend for a playoff spot, these are the games you have to win. You've already put 20 up on this team once. Sure, they've got made some changes. They got some new bodies in and out of the lineup. But if you're Panther City and you're gonna th- you're gonna say that you're a contender in the West, this is a game you have to win. This this is what's gonna separate them from being a playoff contender to just a team that's getting close. Yeah, like win the games that you have to win, and this is a must win. You can't have any letdown spots if if you're gonna be fighting for a playoff spot, especially in the West. Like we talked about it, how you know. I think this is a year where we should see four teams yes. coming out from the West. Yep. The way it's shaking down right now, San Diego, Saskatchewan, Colorado, Calgary, Panther City. In my estimation, all those teams should be battling for a playoff spot. If they drop this game to Vancouver, man, down the stretch, they will be kicking themselves if they're looking on the outside. These are the wins that you have to have to have to collect especially i know they're not probably watching too much in the in the east but like like you said if philadelphia starts to heat up if that philadelphia offense is the offense that we're going to see coming forward they are going to make a push for that fifth spot in the west or halifax maybe that fifth spot in the east sorry i should say so on the flip side though vancouver you clearly remember what happened to you a couple of weeks ago. They came into your house and embarrassed you. Yeah. Absolutely embarrassed you. So there is no need to be feeling sorry for yourself. This team proved that they're not ready to pack it in. I know they lost to Saskatchewan, but they put up a really good fight for three and a half quarters. Show up and play like you played for those three quarters for a full four and be a spoiler. Mm-hmm. Throw a wrench into Panther City's playoff chances. Like, be be that team. I know it sucks, you know, halfway through the season, you're now worried about being the spoiler. But, you know, play for your teammates, play for your job next year, and then also try to be that team that's going to screw it up for other teams in, in your division. It's It's a long shot, but if the Warriors can find some sort of run, they can start to try and and push for a playoff spot. It's again, it's it's a long way to go, but they put some wins together. They can start causing teams some problems. And whether they want to just, you know, relinquish themselves to playing a spoiler for the rest of the year, but maybe that's the the attitude they have to have is okay, we're the underdogs in every single game. No one's giving us a chance. Let's go start proving people wrong. And it'll be interesting to see how they come out and play. Like you said. They were embarrassed at home against this Panther City Club. Go get some, go exact some revenge. Go show what this team has. Go show what you can do. And it'll be interesting to see. But, you know, Panther City is, is a team that's starting to put some te- other teams on notice. And the way Will Malcolm is playing, Jonathan Donville is getting more and more comfortable. 
Callum Crawford is now fully inserted into that lineup. Nick DeMood is playing some good lacrosse. So don't count Panther City out quite yet because they have what it takes and they're coached by one of the best in Tracy Kolusky. Uh, The final game of the weekend and what a great way to end it. Calgary gets two home games back to back. They got Sask on Friday. Colorado be waiting in the wings, healthy and refreshed. Colorado Calgary from the Saddle Dome on Saturday night. What a game. What a game indeed. And again, now Colorado can kind of exhale here and they probably are going to use that to their advantage and be like, okay, boys, we knew how, how tired we were last yeah. week. And yeah, there's no travel. At least Calgary is going to be able to just, you know, walk from the hotel um, to the arena and, and, and you, do, you don't have to worry about that, but still uh, Colorado knows that anytime you, you play Calgary, it's going to be a, a dog fight. But if you have that little advantage of not playing on the back-to-back, being rested, waiting, uh, being able to watch the game on film. Um, I think they're going to take that uh, and really, really try to use it to their advantage because they dropped this one here, especially if Calgary, you know, beats Saskatchewan, they automatically then hop you. Mm-hmm. And then if they win another one, now all of a sudden you're really behind the eight ball in terms of trying to get that second seed. So, um, man, just talking about this just makes me so excited. I know we're so, so far away from the the playoff stretch, but I think this could be the most interesting race in the West that we've seen in a long time. And, oh, yeah. and again, it's so cliche, but like these, these games in February, they might not seem like a big deal right now, but when you're, you're looking at how many wins you have at the end of the year, and it's the difference between getting a home field advantage or looking outside in the playoffs it's so huge it is and you know two wins by calgary can launch them right into second place on they'd be tied with san diego with six wins uh they 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 would do themselves a huge favor if they get those two wins but conversely for colorado if they get that win over calgary on saturday they get the season series they get the two games they get a tiebreaker um it'll be a real cluster mess in that West and that middle, if, you know, the, if Calgary splits and Saskatchewan wins one or loses one, like that is going to be a dog fight for that second seed. If San Diego keeps going the way they're going between Saskatchewan, Colorado, Calgary, throw Panther city in that mix. Um, but as it stands right now, as we close in on the halfway point of the season, it would be Buffalo hosting Halifax, Rochester hosting Toronto, San Diego hosting Calgary, Saskatchewan hosting Colorado. Those would be your four playoff games. And they all have unreal storylines. <laughs> yep. So, um, again, we're we're only at week, uh, what are we now, week 11 or week 10. Um, we're going into uh, the, the tough part of the season. Um, but I guess this is week 11, so we're, we're getting to that halfway point. And it's been a heck of a start to the NLL season. It's only going to get better as we move on. And as we move on, we hope to continue to help you with some pocket money. We have not been great. We are on a cold streak. Let's see if we can 
right the ship. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> Time now for Box Bets. Thanks to our friends over at CoolBet Canada. Patty, what, what are we doing here, man? We are spinning our tires. We are spinning our tires, but hey, let's not forget, we're not the ones making No, we're not picking them anymore. It's all their fault. This is not on us. <laughs> this is not on us. But you know what? It's it's fine. We, we give you guys the option, so I guess technically we are playing a part. So hand up, we need to be better. Well, I decided to get a little more creative or maybe super Super creative. creative with some of the choices that we had for our parlay this week. And the big game is on Sunday. It's the Chiefs against the Eagles. So I figured, you know what? Let's do a parlay with one NFL team and then a team in the NLL. So the options were, and I'll give the results to Rock and Chiefs to win with 35.2%. Panther City and the Chiefs to win. Not quite as popular at 7.4%. Kayhawks and Eagles to win. 18.5%. And the winner for this week's parlay, the Green Machine, the Saskatchewan Rush, and the Philadelphia Eagles to win at a whopping 38.9%, just edging out the Rock and the Chiefs. So we put that together. The folks, the big brains at Cool Bet put it into their parlay machine, if you will, and it comes out to plus 235, and you will not find a better price on the market anywhere else. Green Machine, Saskatchewan Rush, Philadelphia Eagles, both to win, plus 235. Who do you got? In the big game? In I the can't. big game. I can't decide, man. I honestly, I, I think I, I will probably make a pick closer to the game. My, 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 I don't want to say my heart because I mean, I don't really have a tie to either teams, but my brain is saying like the Eagles are the better team. Yeah. They're going to be able to, you know, that defense is fierce. The, the offense is electric, but then apart the back of my head is saying like, what are you doing betting against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in a Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I likely will put out a pick at some point. I'm not going to not sprinkle. I mean, I'm going to bet every single prop under the sun. <laughs> I can imagine, but um, for me, I don't know. It's going to be a game time decision. How about yourself? Where, where are you? Uh, I, I, I got to go Eagles. Um, I just, I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan. Uh, I've watching, um, new heights, the podcast with the Kelsey brothers. I've really, really grown to, to fall in love with Jason Kelsey. He's just a character. Um, I got some, some Philadelphia ties in the family now. Um, so I, I gotta go Eagles. Uh, I think they're going to win it. I, I just think it'd be great, uh, for that city. Everything that's been going on with, you know, the, their championship teams winning, uh, over the past couple of years, it's just been incredible. So um, I'm going to run with the Eagles. I think I'll probably be watching a lot of golf this weekend as well. Oh, yeah. One of the best golf tournaments of the weekend with the waste management. And the fact that the Super Bowl and that tournament are on the same time in Arizona. Uh, just an incredible weekend. And they're going to be 
once I get back from Calgary, there's going to be a serious dent in the couch <laughs> uh, to steal a line from you. Uh, so that's another edition of our OTCB parlay on BoxBet. Thanks to everybody over at CoolBet. And of course, as we always say, stay cool. Bet responsibly. Um, all right, a couple last things uh, before we get out of here. Uh, for those wondering, March 20th, uh, is the NLL trade deadline. So that's still a month and a couple of weeks away. Uh, but for those that are just kind of wondering when it is, March 20th is the deadline. Uh, March 23rd is when full rosters have to be in because in there's that three-day window where teams can sign free street free agents. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks. We already saw some big trades last week. Will we see any more? Question still to be asked. Uh, and then PLL Championship Series goes uh, February 22nd to the 26th. Uh, ESPN will be carrying it on their platform as well as ESPN+. Plus. I haven't heard if TSN Plus will be carrying it. Uh, we might look into that for you just yes. to see if, uh, oh, you got something you know? I don't know that, but oh. I do know, and we should have brought this up in box bets. Oh, You will be able to bet on the PLL Championship Series. Let's go. At cool bet, we have the outright odds already. The archers and the atlas are favorites at plus 230. The whip snakes are in third with plus 310, and the chrome at plus 360. So, we will have game odds as well, similar offering to what we had during the PLL series. So, maybe our OTCP parlays around that time might yeah, include. Let's do it. Some PLL action as yeah, well. I, I love that. I love that. Uh, PLL also announcing their broadcast team for the championship series. Chris Cotter, Jake Marsh are your play-by-play voices. Ryan Boyle and Dana Boyle will be your color analyst and sideline reporter. So that gets going in a couple of weeks. The PLL championship series, of course, no NLL guys will be in it because they'll all be playing in the NLL. So it'll be yes. interesting to see. Sixes um, too. Keep oh, that yeah, in mind. It's, it's sixes. It's sixes. It's sixes so... It's too bad that we don't get to see um, these NLLers play in the sixes format. Mm-hmm. I know we saw it at the uh, at the World Games, but maybe maybe we'll be able to get to see um, another chance. Maybe the PLL do, does this, but not smack dab in the middle of the NLL season. But that's a that's a topic for another. Day. Uh, one last thing: uh, Do you want to go to Vegas to watch the Desert Dogs play a lacrosse game? Well. Head over to the NLL socials, uh, thanks to them, and Alterna Savings, offering Ontario residents only, kind of upset, uh, win a trip for two to Vegas to attend a Desert Dogs game in their inaugural season. So head over to NLL socials, NLL.com, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you want, and sign up for all of you Ontario residents if you want a chance to go to Vegas. You put your name in the hat, Pat? I don't know if I'm allowed to. I know I'm uh, an Ontario resident, but hey, I, I, I got get your girlfriend to get her there to go. Man. I don't know if I'll be your plus Work one. Though, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I know a lot of fans in Ontario would love to go to that. Um, so yeah, NLL.com. Thanks to them and Alternative Savings. Ontario fans only can win a chance for two to Vegas to see the dogs. Anything else you got in your brain? No, you you know you covered it with uh, trade deadline. I think once we get a bit closer, I would like to really, really dive into like 
what teams, what we would like to see some teams do, who should be buying, who should be selling. Mm -hmm. You mentioned his name, Dyson Williams, a little bit earlier. Like we've said it multiple times. Yeah, I think he's probably going to be the first overall pick, but this draft, crazy, this upcoming year is stacked. So I think there is going to be a big emphasis on not giving away first round picks for this year Mm -hmm. because the first, say, six, seven picks are really really good lacrosse players and the whole covid going back to school all that stuff like most if not all these guys are going to be ready to go next year so the trade deadline i know there are a lot of teams that probably will be out of it by then that are trying to accumulate picks but there's also going to be some teams that have no interest in getting rid of first rounders because of how good this draft is going to be i'm looking forward to trade deadline yeah, Vancouver, Vegas, Georgia all currently have two first-round picks. Um, and right now, Vancouver and Georgia are playing the uh, the Dyson Bowl right now, trying to <laughs> avoid or maybe fall into first. But we, we've talked about, and you just mentioned it, the, the amount of talent that's going to be in this draft. Just the top five guys um, are incredible, but you go down the list, uh, there's some incredible names after that top five, that first round is going to be a crazy, crazy first round. And uh, we'll talk more about it as we get obviously closer to the draft, but as we get closer to the deadline, because there could be some picks moved and players moved. Um, and we'll see how that all pans out. Thanks to TD Erland for stopping by and giving us some time. A great chat uh, with the Albany, Yale, Denver alum uh, doing his thing with the Toronto Rock. I'm sure he would love to be playing in the championship series, but he's going to have some fun down in Georgia with the Rock this weekend. Enjoy the games this weekend. There are six on the docket, including a game on TSN, all games on tsn.ca and ESPN+. If you take a friend, buy him a beer. If you take a friend, take two. Buy two beers. Friends, beers, lacrosse. It is a great partnership. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am-